0: Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what are your new tax year resolutions? After a difficult 12 months, many investors will be looking for ways to turn over a new leaf as the new financial year gets underway. What are we doing differently in 2023-24? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. By the time you listen to this, we may well be in a new tax year. Investors probably won't be too sad to see the back of the last one. It has been a difficult past 12 months in the market, so... As the new financial year gets underway, we're asking, what should be your resolutions that will make the next 12 months a little easier? To help answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, Now, I thought we'd do this through the lens of my own personal new tax year resolutions. Um, They're obviously going to be specific to me, but they are good discussion points. I feel, and they'll probably speak to the kinds of issues that all of us as investors have been facing uh, over the last year or so. Um, There's four of them in total, and so we're gonna take each one in turn if that's okay. So the first one, Tom, um, is that this year, I'm gonna take special care to phase my investments throughout the year. Now, I do invest regularly, but rewind 12 months ago, I also had a lump sum that I wanted to invest in markets. And if you remember what markets were doing a year ago, They'd begun to fall um, after Russia invaded Ukraine and rates were getting higher and the market didn't like it. And I figured that was a reasonable entry point for new money into the market. Um, And heeding the rule that uh, the most important thing is time in the market, I said, well, (laughs) chuck it all in there now. well, first of all, uh,
1: what do you think of that decision a year ago? I mean, well, I, I have the advantage of hindsight, <laughs> you which, of course, you didn't at the time. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you were unlucky, obviously. But I mean, I can I can understand the thought process there. You thought, OK, you know, the market has the market has turned down because of what's happened uh, in Ukraine. And actually, if you had cast your mind back to the beginning of the pandemic, um, you might have thought, well, you know the pandemic happened markets sold off yeah it was a fantastic buying opportunity Mm -hmm. I've no idea what you were thinking (laughs) at the time but but that would be a that would have been a plausible um thought process actually
0: that's an interesting thing to raise because that was probably the recent lesson wasn't it Mm. because there was that period at the beginning of the pandemic when it would have been a great time to buy
1: yeah you know absolutely it it was uh, because because unusually the market sold off really hard and immediately bounced back. We had this V-shaped recovery. Uh, And of course, that's not what we had last year. And I think the difference between uh, what happened last year and what happened three years ago was that uh, the the invasion of Ukraine was a pandemic type of shock to the system. But the increase in interest rates was a slightly different thing. And that was a slower burn. Yeah, a longer story. So... As ever, you know, it, it, history rhymes, but it doesn't repeat itself. So it was subtly different last year.
0: Yeah, and, and listen, I so anyway, the, the upshot is that I am, this time round, I'm going to phase in investments. Now, I don't know if that's going to work out or not. It would have worked last season, I'm fairly sure, because I would have been buying as, as as the markets fell, uh, although there were rallies at various points last season. and I, But I, I don't know if that's going to work for me this time. But the reason I'm doing it is that it will be easier, basically, this this year. I mean, I spent a lot of last year staring at a portfolio that, that was basically underwater, or, or at least that new money part of it was underwater, waiting and hoping for it to come, come back again. This time around, if markets do fall, I'll be far more relaxed because I know I'm about to buy more assets. And um, actually, it relates to something else I'm going to say today. That's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. if markets fall, I'll I'll be able to be far more relaxed about it.
1: Yeah, and and, and ultimately... That's the reason to do it because Mm. you're you're, um, taking out of the equation your mental state, which is always a good thing. You know, you're not going to try and you're not going to try and time the market. You're just going to do it. You know, you're going to do it regularly, you know, month after month after month. You're going to put money into the market. And in 10 years' time, you'll look back and say, I'm really glad I put money into the market. But Mm -hmm. along the way, you may not. But it's the psychological aspect that's important. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, that was um, resolution number one. Resolution number two, Tom, let's move on. Uh, An interesting one, this. Um, I'm going to start this year, Tom, for the very first time, to buy some individual shares and directly hold them myself, rather than simply buying um, via funds. So far, my investing has always been done through funds. And the reason for that, actually, is that well, I, I know the effort and the time and the energy that goes in professionally to to picking stocks and monitoring portfolios and rebalancing them and ensure that risks don't get out of control. And frankly, I don't want any part of it. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that job, and certainly not better than a professional. And let's face it, the professionals don't get it always, always right. So why the change of heart? Well, I've, I've, really, I've realized, I suppose, that... Um, investing over several years, uh, even via funds, you are effectively buying certain companies the, inter- the whole time. You're going to be holding these big, large companies that feature in big stock markets in the UK, in, Ameri- in America. I'm going to be holding those anyway via funds, quite a big proportion uh, of them as well. And it's those kinds of companies that I'm looking to hold uh, directly. And crucially, I'm looking to hold these stocks forever. To echo the Warren Buffett saying, you know, favorite holding period is forever because, um, well from my point of view, it makes it easy. I don't have to think about when I'm going to sell, what, what price level I'm going to sell. I'm just going to buy these because I think in the very, very, very long term, they're going to be around and they're going to be making money for investors. And I think it'll make sense for me to hold them directly. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think lots of things actually <laughs> uh, and 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 i and I would probably respond by asking you a question. So, why do you think that you are going to be any better at picking those stocks than a fund manager running a fund? Because what you're not saying is, do you know what? I think uh, you know for whatever reason. I've got a bit, of an, a bit of an edge here, I've got some sort of analytical edge, I think I, I can spot value. What you, you're, not, you're not doing any of that. What you're saying is, I'm going to buy some big, predictable companies that I think are going to be around for 20 years and will you know, hopefully do well for 20 years, and I'm just going to hold them. Well, there might be easier ways to do that. Well, okay, to, to, to flesh
0: it out a bit more, I'm going to contribute to these holdings, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a I don't know. Probably between ten and twenty stocks, and probably a couple of companies uh, from each major sector. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, I'm going to deliberately diversify by sector, and I am going to skew the investments over time towards sectors that I think are undervalued. Okay. So, so if if so, for right now, probably I'm going to start off with some. Tech holdings. I think that they're off their peaks. They're facing headwinds, but I think that they can get back there. Those companies are cutting back their costs. It could be a good time to invest in those for the long term. Right. Mm. Um, similarly, I'll will o- own some commodities. I'll own some uh, some banks. And when I feel the time is right, I will skew my new money towards the stuff that I feel is relatively speaking less less highly valued, and less towards those that are overvalued, mm. and Listen. This is slightly experimental. Mm. I want to see if I can do it, basically. So it's not. It's what it certainly isn't is is sort of you know um, beachcombing for the for the tiny companies that I think are going to suddenly be worth ten times as much. Because as you suggest, I've no idea what they are. I don't Mm. know how to find these companies. Mm. Um, It's more about having being able to make kind of tactical asset allocation decisions, but towards different sectors. Actually, that's what it's to do with.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't want to sound patronising, <laughs> which, which is always a precursor to someone sounding yeah. patronising. Um, but I think I would have probably thought that way a while ago. <laughs> and I think the older I get, the, the, the more I realise that it's really difficult. And because yeah. I think the psychology of it is really difficult, because you know I will be swayed. If I were doing what you're suggesting you're going to do, I know that I would be swayed by the news headlines. I'd be thinking, "Oh, that's good value," and I'd be three months too late. I'd have missed the boat. I I just think it's really difficult. I I, I commend your um, enthusiasm for doing it, and and I and I would definitely give it a go. It'd be very interesting to see what you think in three years time yeah well listen it's an experiment it's an experiment and it's a sort of learning
0: process as well which i think i I don't know i think would be valuable for me to do it but the um it won't what's interesting or, or or is a challenge anyway is that it's obviously going to affect the overall mix of my portfolio this is actually one of the reasons i've resisted doing this kind of thing because i'm not going to suddenly abandon uh, funds. Listen, mm. m- m- the vast majority of my investing is not going to yeah. change. So this is at the margin, totally at the margin. Yeah. Pro- probably between five and ten percent. Yeah. So, so it won't even make, even if it goes well, a huge difference yeah. to my overall return. I just want to see whether I can do, whether I can do it. Um, one of the things I'm going to have to bear in mind is, is as I say, what this does to the overall investment mix. I'm going to have a lot of companies that I hold individually, which I also hold. Via big index mm. funds or it, whatever you know, m- the major US uh, market funds or UK market funds, and so probably going to have to tweak on that side of things as well. So, for example, I might, if I say go and buy a lot, so a load of Amazon and Google, say I will reduce what I hold in uh, generalist US market funds, or probably buy maybe a smaller company's fund mm. in the US There's a bit of as a bit of balance. I mean. I also share the skepticism that I'm gonna, I can do this successfully in terms of adding to return. I'm hoping that it's not going to badly uh, affect my re- return to the downside. Obviously, I'm hoping that. But it's uh, it's something I'm willing to do
1: for a year to see, basically. Mm. Yeah, and I think it will be really interesting and really fun and intellectually stimulating. Um, yeah, and I'd yeah. be really fascinated to see which stocks you pick. Well, that, anyway, that's um, <laughs> so, that,
0: so that you can be patronizing again yeah. in the future. <laughs> um, okay well so let's move on for now uh, to resolution number three um this is actually a very simple one relatively speaking i'm going to make my cash savings work harder this year um that doesn't mean allocating money away from investments and into cash i don't think it's a very good time to do that but um i probably can get a little bit of a higher return on on cash savings we've spoken about this on the podcast uh, recently um the rates you can get on savings accounts are much better, significantly better than, than they have been for a long, long time. Um, I've got sort of rainy day money. It's always sensible for investors to have that, to sit alongside invested money because, it, it, you know, for all sorts of reasons, if you need money in a pinch, you can use that. And I just probably think I can get another a percentage point or so on those on those savings. It's really simple as that.
1: Yeah. And I guess I'd also ask you another question there then. So, so why do you hold cash? What What's the purpose of the cash?
0: Well, it, it really, it really is to, um, you know, for the, for the, for the things that you really do not expect to happen, but might, might just happen. Mm. So, um, it, you know, unemployment, touch wood, you know, things things like that, mm. that you might just want that money in a pinch and it might be a bad time to sell assets. I mean, I do want some kind of return on it yeah. if possible, but it doesn't need to be. I mean, ba- for, for years and years and years, I mean, you, I basically didn't even consider getting any kind of return on it. Mm. And we're still only talking a few hundred quid, actually. That's the only difference it's going to make. But why not, you know, um, run a tight ship and, and get the return if you can?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Don't disagree with that. But uh, but it's worth bearing in mind that the principal reason why you're holding cash mm-hmm. is not to get a return. Um, yeah, because yeah, if because yeah, ultimately, if that were the case, then there are probably better things that you could do. You are going to lose money for the foreseeable future in real inflation adjusted terms by holding that cash. Mm-hmm. But that's not a reason not to do it. And and given that you are going to hold some cash for very good reasons, you might as well get the best return. So. Yeah. Good absolutely. resolution. Good resolution. Okay, well, the final resolution, Tom. Um,
0: well, the other ones that I've talked about, they're, they're kind of practical things that I'm going to do. This is more of a behavioral thing, an attitudinal thing, you could say. Uh, I'm going to try even more than I normally try to to look on the bright side of the bad news that comes along in markets, which, of course, it always does. Um, and Actually, the reason... I, I wanted to explain this by talking about... Um, some work that you and I have been doing actually recently about uh, those people who are withdrawing money from investments. They are decumulating their money from investments, which is not the position I'm in. Mm. But we, we've we been looking at that recently, uh, and in particular at something called sequencing risk. This is a risk that uh, can affect you if you're making withdrawals from a portfolio. It's simply that if markets fall ahead of your um, having to take a withdrawal, that means you're going to have to sell more assets to get the cash you need to make up your income, basically. Mm -hmm. And we've seen how, over a long period, the sequence of of returns that you get makes a huge difference to your eventual outcome. In fact, you can have different scenarios with, overall, exactly the same annualised return. Mm -hmm. They get to the same place eventually, but because one one has suffered falls at the start of their journey and then rises at the end, that's really... Uh, adversely affected their overall outcome versus the other way around. So yeah, yeah. I was that. really
1: I was really quite surprised actually and shocked when I saw the outcome of that analysis. Um that yeah. it makes a huge difference um and is something that you really need to think about managing. Yeah, absolutely. And there are ways to manage
0: it, we're not going to talk about them mm-hmm. now, but there's ways you can mitigate that risk slightly if you are decumulating. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not accumulating, I am accumulating and it's important to say this whole principle of sequence risk works in reverse mm. when you're accumulating. So the risk to me is that I buy when markets are high. Yeah. That's actually a risk. Mm. We never talk about it in that way. We say, well, you know, we all like markets to go, go higher because that makes us feel good. But actually, if you are accumulating, it's not just a nice to have to be able to buy cheap assets. You really, really need that yeah. in the long run. So I I'm going to try my hardest. I mean, I'm not going to will market falls, but I'm really not going to be dismayed when they come along.
1: Because Mm. actually, for me, in my position, that's exactly what I need. Absolutely. I mean, the analogy I always draw here is, you know, if you went down to the street market and you were buying um, a pound of tomatoes... um, you know you'd rather they were a pound than 2 pounds yeah. obviously because you're buying tomatoes you're not selling tomatoes yeah. you're not you're not owning tomatoes you want yeah, to buy them right. so you want to buy them cheaply um and we don't think about the stock market like that you know we, we cheer when the market when the market goes up but but if you're in that accumulation phase you absolutely want the market to be as as cheap as possible so i, tell mm. you, I think that's that's a really good way of of looking at it yeah so yeah, embrace the market falls while you're in this phase yeah. you might feel differently when you're 60
0: yeah um, <laughs> yeah I, I, well this actually intersects with the, the the first resolution about phasing investments I mean by phasing investments also that means that um, if they, if we do get big falls I'm gonna have some dry powder yeah. as well I mean that position will change as the year goes on but you know if I if I'm phasing in investments I'm that means I am sitting on some cash and I can deploy it more aggressively if I want
1: yeah And it's the hardest thing to do. I mean, we talked earlier on about the beginning of the pandemic. And actually, you know, I got a bit lucky then that I did actually buy after that after that market fall. And I'm really glad that I that I plucked up the courage to do it. But it's really difficult. And that and that also argues to why you should try and systemize the the, the, the process as much as you can to just take that that mental part out of it, because it's very difficult to do. Okay. Well,
0: Tom, um, you've heard all of my resolutions. I did wonder whether you were going to come armed with any of your own resolutions for the year ahead.
1: Yeah, you? I, 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 I have got one, uh, and and you know, as I as I suggested with my patronising comments, I'm at a slightly different stage <laughs> in the process to you. I'm further down down the track, and I'm much closer uh, towards. Um, you know, retirement and that decumulation uh, phase. So I, I do think about markets very differently from from how I thought about them 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, so I suppose my resolution now that I'm at this stage in my investing career is to try and force myself to avoid the temptation to be too cautious with my investments. Mm. Because I hope that, you know, I've got another 25 years of this you know at (laughs) least at least i hope i've got a good long time ahead of me and i and you know I know what the impact of inflation can be over a period like that and I think there's a real temptation that when you approach that decumulation phase you start to become too cautious you start not to want to take risks the market risk um and and that's something which I really want to force myself to avoid uh, it, it, absolutely I mean this this is um
0: I mean you're not you're not retired or or anywhere near it Tom but I for speaking from uh, the experience of say my parents Suddenly, their outlook changed when they didn't have regular income from work. It completely changes the equation because yeah. you really you see the money in whatever account as finite. Yes, exactly. And so it's it's really focuses the mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. And a lot can happen in twenty five years. And yeah. you know the the real enemy of of your quality of life and your um, uh, your standard of living. Is the erosion that, that inflation can cause, and you've really got to work hard to overcome that. I mean, it's a fa- the whole the whole decumulation. I mean, that's jargon. You know, the
0: the withdrawing phase of, of investments. I mean, it's fascinating. A lot of work has been gone gone into it, it academically and and by the in- industry to work out a way of doing it. And, and I think the reality is, you just have to stay quite quick on your feet, don't you? About the withdrawings the withdrawals you're making, the the risks you're taking with investments, cash versus investments, it's a it's a moving picture and that's probably the way you navigate it. And let's not forget that the the trick really is not just to make your money last forever, it's to use your money in retirement, isn't yeah. it? I mean well there's no yeah. there's not much point. Well, well it would be quite sad if if you manage your money in a way that means it's it's very low risk, it it lasts forever, and then you're just sitting on this, you know, huge pile of money when you're basically too old to do anything.
1: With yeah, you. absolutely. I and listen, I love my children, but it, <laughs> it's my money, and I, and I want to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good for you, Tom.
0: Okay, well, um, listen, that was a that was an interesting discussion. Um, we'll pick up these themes, I think. Uh, through the year ahead. But for, for now, Tom, that is all the time we have. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed.